Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenashe. I am your conduit, your coach, and your catalyst of that better life. A conduit provides a connection, a coach draws out hidden potential in the subject, and a catalyst sparks change. So I am here today with an artist, with an author, with a person who does not call herself a writer of self-help books, <laughs> but some other people might refer to her that way. And her name is Sharon Lee Zapata. So say hi to everybody. Hello. Happy Sunday. Thanks for having me here. Harvey. Oh, thank you for coming on. And so I met her maybe a, it was right before we had that crazy winter storm. It was yep. like three or four days before that. Yeah. I was going out networking as I do many weekends and I happened to go to the silos and saw her amazing studio. And we just started to chat because we're both podcasters and she was showing me her books and her artwork and just kind of just really just opening up about a lot of different things because I'm new, much newer to podcasting than she is. And so she just was giving me a lot of insight and advice and I really appreciated that. So I wanted to have her on. Um, just to talk about what she does. And, you know, I have a list of topics on my, um, my website and, um, my, my, my podcast form says she picked dreams, which is kind of <laughs> interesting. Cause when we talked about it, she says, I don't really even like that word. It's well, not that I don't like it, but I guess goals is more my word. I'm, I'm a gold digger. I like that. I say gold I'm a gold digger. digger too. Not a gold digger, gold yes. digger. Yeah, yes, I, I right. saw the hashtag. I was like, that's kind of cool. Right, right, right. So um, so when we were talking yesterday, I kind of saw that you see yourself kind of as a catalyst, someone who wants to get people in motion towards what they want. And you mentioned that you're not even a typical artist, that you want to use your imagination to actually be a business person. And I thought that was a really unique perspective because, you know, sometimes people don't think of business people as imaginative. You know, they think of them sometimes as just bottom line people, numbers people, you know, um, but not in a sense creatives. So how did you kind of come up with like that perspective? Mm, on well, my background is sales and marketing. Um, I've been... Uh, Everybody sells something every day. When you ask your friend to join you for lunch, you're selling them on the idea of having lunch with you, right? And they've got to click in their little mental file cabinet and go, wait a minute, why do I want to have lunch with her or him? And real quickly, your brain goes through all these things, I mean, so fast that you're sold on it. So we're always selling something. Um, but I guess back to your question, you know, making money with your imagination. Um, I've always been a creative. Uh, actually, everybody on this planet is a creative. I think what happens is as we get grow up or we're influenced by our family, that creativity in childhood gets squashed and it disappears. Or does it disappear? It's still there, but we become so... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the minutia. We, we, a lot of us, not me, because I'm such a weirdo, we do what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. So somebody asked me, uh, in fact, three times in the studio yesterday, I was asked or I was told, oh, my God, you do so much. You know, all those things. You saw my studio. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, like, how do you have time? And I'm like, there's 168 hours in a week. What are you doing with those 168 hours in a week? Do you watch a lot of TV? And everybody kind of rolls their eyes or, the, or you hear crickets. You know, you, it makes people think, what are you doing with your time? Um, so that, that's just where I'm at. I'm just at a point now in my life where I have this limited amount of time. All of us do, right? But we, we, we act like we're going to live forever. We don't know if today's our last day or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. So I have all these things inside me that I want to get out. Uh, and I think the older you get... And the more, uh, I'll just say, the more bullshit you've been through and that you conquer, you're like, you know what? Maybe if I share this story, it'll help somebody else. If I can give somebody the cliff notes on how to get over that struggle because I went through it and this is the outcome. So I guess that's where the imagination comes from. It's, it's, all, it's all connected. It really is all connected. 
I like that answer, and and I like the Cliff Notes version. Give somebody else <laughs> the Cliff Notes. Okay, the I'm going to be quoting you on that. That I am I am here to bring in people who can give the Cliff Notes of how to overcome certain struggles because they're yeah. their story. I think that's a no. that's a really great way because you know I'm a teacher, and there are times when we or I I'll say I. I have definitely told my students, if you're reading this book and you just don't get it, you're listening to our discussions and you still don't get it, go look up the cliff notes. You know, the cliff notes will sometimes help you. It'll unlock things that you're just not seeing. And do you so, know where the cliff notes came from? I do not know where the cliff notes came from. Okay, I'll, I'll, again, I'm one of those weirdos. I'm like, who, who the hell is Cliff? And what did he do with these notes? Right. So I, I Googled it. There's a guy named Cliff. And he was like, I got to do the shortcut version, you know, and more than ever now we need the cliff notes of a lot of things because we're in, inundated with so much information. So, and I know it's funny. What, what do you teach in school? What do you, what do you teach? Um, I've taught a lot of things. I teach uh, high school English. So okay. I taught English as a second language. Um, so I've taught the ones that can't speak any English at all. And then the ones that are progressing up through the levels of learning English. And then now, right now I'm teaching pre AP 10th grade and advanced placement, mm. advanced placement, 11th grade. Oh, so, I love, I, that was one of my favorite classes was English arts, art, history, history, uh, writing philosophy. I, I sucked at math. Like I, in one of my books, the, the little book of startup inspiration, or was it middle finger happiness? I can't remember. I, I wrote a chapter and my chapters are very short. Like they're like four pages. Mm. I failed high school algebra three years in a row. Oh, wow. Three years in a row. I hated algebra. I don't care how fast the plane was traveling <laughs> at 15 and it left at 645 in LA and it landed over here and how many oranges were in the basket and who the hell needs to know that I now business math. I crushed it in business math because that's different. So, uh, my, my, my high school teacher, I felt so bad. See him every year. I'll be in the same corner in the same desk by the back window. I just didn't care. I was writing in my journal, you know, and uh, he finally passed me with a C minus. I think he, he felt sorry for me. And uh, about 15 years later, I was in the grocery store and by the corner of my eye, I see my old high school algebra teacher, Mr. Ortega. And I'm like, is that him? That is him. I went over there and I'm like, hey, Mr. Ortega, how's it going? And he looks at me and he goes, do I know you? I said, I'm Sharon Lee. This is before my married name. I said, I, I sat in the back of the classroom for three years ago. Oh, yeah. How are you? What are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm not doing algebra. <laughs> uh, I told him I became, you know, a, an author, an artist, and, and a podcaster, and a writer. And he says, you know, you were always creative. I knew you struggled. <laughs> and that was the story about me and algebra. Yeah. Um I did fine in algebra trigonometry. I made a D and it was the only D I made in high school. My mother was very upset with me. She said, I ruined my GPA. And she said, why didn't you just get out of the class? I was like, I was offended because I was like, mom, I don't quit. I don't quit. I'm, yeah. going, to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I really did expect to at least get a C, but I never did. I, I stayed in right. all year. And you know, it's so I, funny. I the GPA, no one's ever asked me for my GPA in any of my jobs. Uh, my GPA did not determine my success in life. And so um, I'm a mom um, of, a, of a second child. The older one, he got the first version of me. The younger one has a better version of me. I'm a little bit more relaxed. But I'm like, you know, if you make an 80, did you make a 75? Did you pass? Yes. And, you know, we talk about life skills that you really need out in the real world versus, you know, a 4.0. And the 4.0 is great. But do you have self-belief? Do you have self-confidence? Can you make decisions quickly? Can you make something happen with a thought that's in your head? Or do you have to analyze it and ask everybody's permission before you take that next step? And I think that's what happens in the school system. So as parents uh, or as a parent, I, my, my goal is to make sure the kids are confident and can make decisions for themselves and take action versus just sitting there analyzing and have that, you know, they, they never make anything happen. I see that. I see that even with grownups. I do agree with you. And, and again, see, you're proving my point 
a catalyst. You don't want people to get stuck in analysis. You want them to move forward into action. And right. you mentioned being able to make decisions quickly. Right. I see um, when I teach the higher level kids, they are very disturbed the first time they come to the concept of there is no right answer. It's what you can prove. Mm. You know, kind of like, um, like a metaphysics class? Well, no, like for example, if, if, if they get a prompt from College Board, College Board is not expecting one right answer. There could okay. be a hundred answers. It's about your position and your proof. And ah. so they want, the students want for me to tell them what the right answer is. And I'm like, there is no right answer. There, there are a hundred right answers. There's a right answer for every person in this classroom. Right. About your perception of the issue. And the issue is multifaceted. So you could approach it from, you know, politics, economics, religion, personal experience, history. Those are all correct, you know, right. ways to approach it. Right. They're different. And they're different. And we we're not, not, not to poo poo on research. We do need some pieces of research to make good decisions, but we don't need to get stuck in that research mode where you're just constantly, because I've done it. You're like, oh, you're, you're looking into all this stuff and then you wind up not even making the project happen. Um, but yeah, you know, everything, uh, we're all products of our environment. We're all products of, of uh, the influence that we have around us or the influence that we don't have around us. I agree with that. And, you know, um, sometimes people will ask me like, why are you single or why aren't you dating? And I say, um, you know, the research on the dating sites, um, and this is about analysis paralysis, right? The, the research is that only 8% will make a decision. So if you have, um, let's say you have, yeah, let's say that you are on a dating site, right? And you have all of these people that you're looking at. Well, the research says once you get past four choices, then only 8% of the people will actually make a choice because they are always thinking about the other choice. So at two choices, 100% of the people make a choice. At three choices, it's like 80 something percent. At four choices, it drops down to 8%. And anything below four choices is below 8%. So yeah, there are people, there are a lot of people who meet online. There are a lot of people who, who um, have, are having success, but also there's a lot of people who stay online and window shop and they get stuck. I would be like, they look if I was single again, like I've been with my guy for 20 years. I, I, now I wouldn't even want a relationship. I'm like, I just got out of one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be in one, you know, but I can't imagine. Oh my gosh. I just, I like meeting people in real in, in you know, like face to face. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. You know, the brain is um is a very interesting thing, and and you know, you talking about getting into action, getting into gear, and not mm -hmm. stuck. You know, one of the books that I read recently is called The Five Second Rule. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's about how basically when you have a a, a gut feeling to do something. Yeah, with Mel Robbins. Yeah, right. You and have you know five what? Five before yeah, the brain first. talks you out of it. Uh -huh. And so she'll tell people to say five, four, three, two, one, and then act because well, you know, otherwise they'll it's talk. It's so funny you mentioned that. My friend um, uh, Steve Martinez, common Steve, um, he read my first book, the little book of startup inspiration, twenty lessons learned the hard way. Damn it, from the most outrageous year of entrepreneurial life. When that book came out, we had coffee, and he brought up we we brought up the five second rule, and he told me, you know what, I've been doing that forever before that book came out, it's that, you know, you just got to get up and do it. That five, four, three, two, one. Um, well, you know, and I'm glad she, she brought that out to the public and, you know, brought it, brought some awareness to it. But, um, I think that's been around a long time, you know, and there's just people that make good, dis quick decisions, uh, whether they're bad or good, they make them when you're, especially when you're an entrepreneur, uh, and an artist, you know, and a writer, like, you know, somebody asked me, I did in 18 months, I wrote three books. Um, that's because I took it seriously. Like every day I wrote six to 10 pages. So the book was done within two months and then the next one and then the next one. So when I, when I meet people, they're like, yeah, I've been writing a book for like 10 years. And I'm like, no, you're journaling. Mm. You're just making a journal, you know, get, finish it, get to the end. And guess what? It's going to probably suck. 
the first book, the second book, the, you know, even my book, I don't think I've reached the point where I'm really right, where I'm like, okay, this is badass. I think for me, it's going to be maybe book number seven or book number eight or even book number nine. So you just keep doing it. You can't expect your, I mean, you know, you're not, I'm not Steven Spielberg. I'm not Hemingway, but the craft of it is showing up every day and doing it, whether you feel like it or not. You can't wait for inspiration. And that's what separates professional people from it's a hobby, you know. And, and same with my artwork. Like right now I have a commission piece. I can't go in there and just look at this blank canvas because I already know what this guy wants. Uh, there's a little bit of pressure because now I know I have to do the, the skyline of Houston and a piece. Uh, it's a headphone over the skyline of Houston because he misses outdoor concerts. And that's the uh, expression that he wants. So what do I do? I already did the backdrop, you know, so now I've got to go and sketch the, uh, the, the cityscape of Houston, which by the way, I went and Googled it. Mm. Nobody's seen the new one. I had to pull over on the freeway on I-10 with my phone, my iPhone, and take a picture of the new city uh, skyline of Houston. We have two new huge skyscrapers mm. that are not current in, in, in current, you know, Google. So he's getting like, the real new current 2021 skyline. That's cool. You know, when you said that, it reminded me of a quote um, that I heard recently by Van Gogh. And they were saying, well, how do you paint? He goes, well, first I dream my painting and then I paint my dream. Mm. And, you know, so the gentleman who commissioned you, he had in a sense, a dream in mind. He had this image in his mind. And you are, in a sense, the catalyst bringing that image from the unseen. Yeah, the right. Thing. Well, he came in the studio and says, I've seen you. I finished two big pieces and they're headphones, right? Mm -hmm. And so he saw one that's over the couch and he saw another one. And he's like, I love those, but it looked really cool. I mean, I'm shifting my eyes because I'm looking. He's like, I want the city of Houston and then I want the headphones over it. And so, yeah, he dreamed it or he envisioned it. You know, that's what he wants. I said, oh, okay, cool. Let's, uh, and it'll be abstract because I'm an abstract artist. So it's not going to look like identical, but you'll see it. You'll be able to see it. So abstract art's kind of different than actually like drawing a, a, a person or a, 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 a fruit bowl or something like that. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, it's, I liked what you were saying and, and I understand about, um, being a professional versus a hobby. There is a difference definitely when you have to decide, okay, am I doing this for real, for real? Or am I just gonna dabble in this? Am I going to really put my money and my time and my, you know, put all the credentials there? Am I going to really go for this? Or is it just gonna be something I dabble in? Um, and again, bringing that from the unseen to the seen, cause you can think about it all day. You can dream about oh. it all day. But yeah. you have to actually, as you said, make those goals and then make those goals happen through your actions. And not just, as you were saying, not just doing it once or twice, but doing it consistently. Yeah, and making lots of mistakes. Oh my God, I know what, all my artwork has a ton of mistakes. I mean, I see them, but when somebody else looks at it, you know, but that goes with anything. You know, you cannot expect to be an expert on your first attempt, there's no way, you know, your first, second, third, fourth. I mean, I don't even know if you ever become an expert. Um, I don't know. And then I was thinking to myself and I wrote this the other day, an expert is just someone who's been through something so many times and they know how to make somebody feel understood. So by the time you tell that story and you think, Oh, you're such a good expert at that. No, no, it's just, I've, I've seen this, I've done this, you know, uh, so many times but I'm still not an expert at it. You know how they say you need 10,000 hours. Yeah. Uh, I don't think even 10,000 hours is enough. I mean, we really just don't ever, I don't, I don't want to ever get to the point where like, Oh, I've completed, I'm done. I, I, I want to still be learning. I still want to be making the mistakes and going, okay, that didn't work. This works because that's still, that's just, just an, it's, a, it's a, my, like my friend says, it's evolution, baby. It's evolution. You just, you're constantly evolving. Um, and so many people tend to settle. Mm -hmm. They get comfortable with lacking. Uh, I've done it. I've done it. Uh, you know, we have that imposter syndrome. You know, I'm not good enough or 
I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that. You know, that's that that talk is not good. And your body, your you shouldn't talk like that. On the same token, you can't walk around like, oh, look at me, I'm such a badass, I can do that. Well, maybe some days you do have to tell yourself that, but don't don't make it so big, you know, that your head won't fit through the door. But you have to you have to talk yourself up sometimes. This, you know, what I'm going to make this happen. Let me see how this works. Let's let's just move forward. Um, are there going to be mistakes? Yeah, process is messy. And and if anybody's out there who's thinking of doing something, whether they want to write a book, they want to do artwork, they want to start a a social media company, they want to start a marketing company, you know, just start doing it and share the messy process. People want to see the messiness of everything that I've done. They want to see the, okay, this didn't work out, but this worked out. And it just shows the human side of you. Hmm, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, talking with another author and I was asking her, I was like, did you see yourself as an author before you wrote? The book and she was like no mm -hmm. it was no. I, when i did it then i became it and i i began to feel it and she was like even now i look at my books and i'm like wow i did that oh wow you know i'm actually an author you know so i i do think that um you know i was telling her and i'll tell you every time i stepped into a new role my identity had to expand to mm. encompass that new role you know for decades i was a page poet and i was scared of spoken word and then i'm like okay i'm gonna do spoken word and then i stepped onto the stage and i'm like oh, i love this this is amazing okay i'm a spoken word artist i'm both and then you know you have that imposter syndrome as you said mm -hmm. these other people may not think that i am they may not think i'm good enough they may not whatever 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 and then you have to get away from that and be like it that I can never, and we can never control what anybody thinks, no matter how many years we've been doing it. We've no. been doing it 50 years and they can still think that mm -hmm. we're not whatever we say we are. You know, right. so I had to let that go and then be like, you know what, I'm just going to realize where I am and I'm going to, as you said, evolve. I'm going to study people around me. I'm going to practice. I'm going to make mistakes and then I'm going to get better. Yeah, that's all it is. I mean, you, you just documented your life. That's what I use social media for. I finally like it's not so much about the likes and the follows anymore. I know people that have huge followings and they're not doing anything with that following. You know, I'd rather have a small to medium sized following and know the community and help that community and have conversations and see it grow organic. Versus have a, a a shitload of people that you don't even know. I'd rather know the followers. You know, we we've grown together. They knew me before I became an author. Uh, somebody told me I didn't know you were an artist. I was thinking, well, I never told anybody. I mean, I just kind of odd. Like, hey, I'm an artist. You know, I used to. I've always been an artist. Uh, I knew that in kindergarten that I wanted to be a writer, an author, an Indi an Indiana Jones type person. That was just me. I was such a tomboy kid. But um, I mean, and then life got in the way. Um, but I think going back to, you know, we'd start at the very beginning of the conversation, go back to dreaming, but make it a goal and then start taking those steps to make it happen. And don't ask for permission and don't ask, what do you think? If, especially family members who've never done it. You're just asking for, oh my God, you're going to just, you know, don't, if somebody, here's the, here's the analogy. Have you been to Disneyland, by the way? Have you been to Disneyland? No, I have not. Okay, you have it on. Okay, so let's say somebody's over here. Have you been to Disneyland? Somebody's like, yes. Okay, you can tell me, and I'm looking over here, where to park, where to get the shuttle, where the breakfast line. You can tell me about Disneyland. You can't because you've never been. So if someone hasn't been there, done that, they cannot give you the advice. And growing up, we would, you know, I did it. Many of your listeners or I know my audience, we ask our family, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? They're going to immediately tell you, oh, no, oh, no, don't do that. That's not for sure. You know, people want the for sure thing. And that's how we are wired. We don't want the danger. We want the for sure thing. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur or an artist, and when I say artist, it could be anything, a poet, musician, um, writer, 
uh, it's almost like standing naked with a really bad pair of underwear. Like you're just going to be out there doing it and you can't ask people, what do you think? Okay. Yeah. Once you start doing that, you're going to get so many opinions and, and the, the opinions may not be what you, what you need. Now, if you get a sincere an opinion, which I've been, I've had some constructive criticism from friends and I really appreciate that. That's different. Um, also, I tell people, once you start moving and growing, the people that knew you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they don't know who you are now. They think they do, but they don't because you've changed. They may not even congratulate you. They may not even like or comment on your posts. That's okay. You keep doing you. You keep building. You keep doing that new podcast. You keep going out to make that new thing happen. Don't wait for the people in the back of the back of the room. They're still watching and that's okay. Maybe you'll inspire somebody. You're right. You're right. And, and I think, you know, <laughs> Steve Harvey said on the road to success, you may have a lot of passengers and you may have to stop and let some of them out of the car. <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah. You, yeah. Mm -hmm. because, because you realize on the trip, that they're making your trip miserable because they're backseat yeah. driving. They're, they're just, you know, they bring all this negative energy with them and yeah. they cannot continue on the journey with you. So in a sense, they're, they're pouring their negativity on your dreams, your dreams that you turned into goals, those goals that you are working towards every day. And yeah. they're making it harder, you know, yeah. to work on those goals because they're putting possibly doubts in your mind, possibly just, you know, uh, obstacles. And yeah. so, you know, you have to just say, okay, um, thank you for your time on this journey, but your time has come to an end. <laughs> You're invited to leave. <laughs> uh, you know, Friday night I was in the studio cause I'm recording, uh, one of my books into audible and, uh, I was rereading it. I hadn't read it in, in a year and a half and I was like, Oh, this is kind of good. So we're going through it and it dawned on me don't check in with everybody. As a matter of fact, don't tell anybody what you're doing. And a lot of people do that because we just do. I've done it. Now I just say, this is the new product. Here's my new, my new journal. For example, I, I, I have a journal that just came out on Amazon. It's got a picture of my artwork right on the front cover. I'm getting ready to do another series of journals. They're just going to be contentless journals where you just write in there with my artwork. I didn't tell anybody what, I just did it and then presented that. So, you know, that's another thing as, as um, an artist, you know, come the vulnerability, you know, you want to make sure everybody knows what you're working on. Just do it, share it and get onto the next project and do it, share it and get onto the next project. Rinse and repeat. I agree. So, so your first book was the startup book. Was that the first one? Well, no, I have an old book. And for anybody who's known me like way back in 2000, was, I think it was 2004, I wrote a book called The 12 Secrets for Successful Hispanic Women. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. It sucks. Sucks. Because I was not writing in my authentic voice. I was going through, uh, and I never can pronounce this word correctly, a tumultuous um, time with a narcissistic parent, my mother. And it was kind of like my way of kind of helping myself. And it's not that I even felt like a successful Hispanic woman. I just knew that there were 12 secrets of things that I did to help me. Uh, so the book was in Barnes and Nobles. It's out of print now. I think there's a couple available on Amazon, but it's completely done. And then I had this very bad spiral, spiral black uh, depression kick in again, due to having the relationship with a, you know, the repetitive, um, I'll just say it. It's a mental fuck when you have a narcissistic parent because you're trying to always do better, but you're never going to get that. Congratulations. Good for you. I'm proud of you. And you start realizing as you get older. So I took a break from writing. I literally just took a break. And at that, at, with that book, I was actually able to share a platform uh, with Jackie Guerra. Jackie Guerra is an actress and an activist. She played the drummer in Selena the movie oh, okay. and I was one of the, uh, I was the second speaker. She was the main speaker. I was the second one and it was for a group of women. I think there were five or 700 women in the audience. And that day I was so excited because people were crying. 
not because I sucked, but, but they were crying because we all connected on a level uh, of just telling my story. And so when I got, I did not, I got some bad news. I got really a, a poo poo reaction. I got a shitty reaction from her. And then again, I stopped writing. And so for anybody who's listening out there, who's had that, that battle, I, I was like, sh you know, shame on me for listening to her. So if you're in those shoes, you have to cut yourself off from toxicity, whether even if it's a family member, a brother, sister, mother, uncle, whatever, best friend, if they're not good people, then you don't need them. You don't need them. It's better to have less friends that are good, that are going to back you up versus fake or hurtful people in your life. So the real book that I say was my first book was the, the little book of Startup Inspiration, 20 Lessons Learned Heartway, Damn It. That came in 2018. That came from Hurricane Harvey uh, flooding our house for the third time. Tax Day, Memorial Day, you're here in Houston. You know, we all went through the floods. And I had just gotten laid off. I was a top recruiter for a staffing company. And I learned these 20 Lessons Learned the Hardway, Damn It from my first year as an entrepreneur again. And so they're in book. They're very short, little awesome stories. And then middle finger happiness came uh, in 2019. And then it's a new day. Don't be a shithead came also in 2019. And so it's a new day. Don't be a shithead. Honestly, those are all my quotables that I've been dumping out on social media since 2015 uh, as a blogger. And that's where my audience grew from my blog. And so I uh, just took a collection of all those quotes and one page stories on how I came up with each one. And so uh, it's a new day. Don't be a shithead came from being carpool lane at 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that came. So a, that was a funny book. It's a really actually they're all funny books. They're funny, kind of sassy. Uh, Middle Finger Happiness has a couple of chapters that are a little bit. It may make you uh, get a little teary eyed because I shared something that happened to me traumatically as a child. But then I'm like, wait a minute, winner, winner, chicken dinner. If I hadn't been to that shit show, I wouldn't be on your podcast right now. I wouldn't be the woman that I am now. And so you have to take that negativity and turn it into something because I'm not the only one struggling with that. We're all struggling with something, all of us on this planet. And so when you decide to tell your story, uh, be prepared, you know, that, okay, you opened up Pandora's box. And you can't, you can't go back. Yeah. Um, wow. There is so many things that came to my mind. Um, when I got married the first time, I used to journal a lot. I used to write a lot of poetry and I had been published, you know, um, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 times at that point. And my ex um, decided to read all my journals, which I was just mortified. I mean, this was like my heart pouring, you know, I poured out my heart, I poured out my feelings, I poured out my, like things I was dealing with him, my mother, you know, everybody. And the whole idea of anybody at all in the, on the planet reading what I had written that was supposed to be yeah, private. private, right, right. I stopped writing the whole time we were married. Oh, oh man. I stopped oh. writing. I, I said, I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to experience that again because I felt like I, that was my safe space. That was my space to download. Yeah. Writing. yeah writing, writing is therapy. Yeah. People don't realize yeah. it. It's right. It's, it's, that's why I made these journals because it is therapy. Uh, I've been married several times and the, the, the Philippe and my husband I have now, he's the one that started reading my journals. <laughs> he's flipping through and he was like, babe, this is great shit. You need, you need to put this in a book, you know? So I'm like, but there's, they're crazy stories. There's things that have happened to me that are out. In fact, I haven't written all the stories I need to. Um, but, but for him to read that and give me that feedback again, I was a little older, little wiser, been through some stuff. So, and I was with the right person. And so for him to look at my stuff and tell me very candidly, you know, Hey, this is great shit. You should publish it versus, you know, it, I think if he had read that and he had been the wrong person, I would have felt exactly like you. I would have felt like, oh my God, this is private. You know, I didn't want to share it with anybody. Um, you know, it just it was one of those things that just happens. Well, you know, um, 
my reaction was not to write. And then my reaction was also to, um, well, he, th he threw away a lot of my stuff. Like I don't have copies of anything that I published prior to mm. last, what was it? I think 26 years ago, what is it? 2021, 2015. I don't have copies of any of that. It's, it's all gone. Um, but I, I ended up throwing away everything else because I, it was like tainted. It was, I couldn't, you know, I think I have just a, a few things from college that I kept in my college notebooks that he never looked at, you know, but I think mm -hmm. it. so I stopped writing. I stopped writing completely. And then, you know, I got divorced, got remarried, started writing a little bit, you know, um, but didn't really get back into it. I, I just didn't even feel completely, I guess, safe after that experience. And it took a long time for me to just really pour my heart out again on the on the page. And now I can do it effortlessly, you know. But oh, there you go. Yeah, but for years. Yeah, I'm it's a healing. Yeah, a it's a healing. It's okay. We've all been yeah. there. It's part of the journey. It is part of the journey. And now look, somebody listening to your podcast is gonna go, oh my God, me too. And now look what she's doing. You know? Yeah, and and so uh I actually you were talking about what you should have done. You know, people have been asking me for the last four years, like, why don't you have a poetry book? And I was like, I just haven't sat down to do it. So uh, last year, yeah, I actually organized one. I yeah. sent it out to a couple of chapbook contests. So it hasn't been published yet because I was hoping that they were going to publish it for free, right. you know, that kind of thing. But uh, that didn't happen. I didn't win any of the contests. So um, I'm going to have to do something with the two books that I made during COVID. Just publish them. You know, it's yeah. funny. Back in 2003, uh, publishing was not what it is now. In fact, I actually had started my own publishing company. And so I was able to, to, to start a publishing company and got the book at Barnes and Nobles and all that other BS. But now, now you have book baby, you have blurb, you have KDP, Kindle direct publishing, you know, mine is on KDP. It's on Amazon. It is self-published. Does it make it any lesser value? Hell no. It makes, helps me to control it. The book is available in 25 countries. It's print on demand. If somebody wants middle finger happiness or cart look well, don't fuck with me book. They can get it at UK in Japan in Denmark. I could never do that, you know, traditionally through another uh, publisher. So people don't understand publishers. What they do is they print your book. That's all they do. They don't only promote you. It's up to you to promote yourself. Um, so I would go, go for it, girl. Get that poetry, poetry book out. The other yeah. thing that I see that people uh, mess up on is reverse engineering. Build your audience, then promote your book. Build the relationship. You know, I started a blog called the Bitchy Business Briefs. It's still around. It's actually now Sharon Lee Safata, which is my name. But the Bitchy Business Briefs started in 2015 when I got laid off and I didn't know what to do. I went to go see my uh, friend of mine who's a corporate attorney. Uh, she literally told me I got 10 minutes and she like 10 minutes told her what happened. She's like, go start writing, go do your thing, go start your own consulting company. And that's what I did. And, and I, you know, put her in the book, but it's just doing it. It's doing it. Does it have to be perfect? God, no. I had so many typos in my first book. Um, they've all been corrected. In fact, well, we found some other ones, but it, it's out there. It's already out there. And then to get these great reviews, even with the typos, you know, I'm human. Um, I did that. Some people never write a book. They want to, but they won't. You know, open up your Word document and start writing every day, four or five pages. If you could spend four hours on social media, you can spend four hours writing. Yeah, I got you. Well, you know, um, when I started the podcast, you know, people have been saying start a podcast forever. And they say, you have a nice voice. People would love to listen to you. And I was like, okay, thank you. Uh, and I, in my head, I was thinking, I'm scared of the technology. And what would I talk about? So I, I, I needed a topic and then I needed to get over my fear of the technology. Yeah. When COVID happened, I got my topic, you know, because when COVID happened, um, all the live shows were gone. And as a performer, by that time, I had been performing for four years, pretty much almost every week or every two weeks, definitely every month. It was part of my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I did not know how to go from the whole summer basically being booked out you know, planning for eight shows. All right. 
to zero, nothing. I, I didn't know how to deal with that. So I sat there for a month and I was like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And I'm journaling and I'm meditating and I'm writing and all these ideas. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm feeling lost and confused and all this stuff. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back to what helped me before. I'm gonna go back to, what do I still have? I still have my attitude. I still have my body. Mm. I still have, you know, a feeling of control over some things. I still have choices. And I just literally started writing the ABCs. Right. Like, oh, I have a whole list. I have 24 letters of the alphabet and I have 10 or 12 topics. Yeah. Of one. We and get in our own way, girl. We all get in our own way. And it's like, get out of the yeah. way, Sharon, you know, get out of the way and, and do right. this. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's all trial and error. Um, my podcast, middle finger happiness, which was based on, off my, I think people know I have this tattoo. Can you see it? Yes. Yes. That's my favorite tattoo. Um, then the book came, then the podcast came, but I didn't know all the technology. As a matter of fact, I remember sharing with a friend of mine, Hey, I'm thinking again, remember how we go back to don't tell people. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. And he told me, oh, you shouldn't do a podcast. You don't have anything to sell. Oh. I'm like, I'm like, well, you have a podcast. What do you sell? He's like, oh, I'm a web designer. So I got angry. But I'm, I'm one of those people, when I get angry, you take that energy and do something with it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go write some books. So I wrote those books in 18 months. But I started everything. That October was December of 2018. That's when the podcast came out. A little book of startup inspiration came out middle finger happiness. I mean, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. I was head down. I didn't look left. I didn't look right. In fact, I wouldn't even look or comment on other people's social medias probably for a whole year. Wow. And it wasn't because I was a snob. I was just focused on my stuff. And that's what got me quickly to get where I'm at. And I say quickly three years, um, three and a half years, but the podcast came from the blogging community that I had. So I had that blogging community. I wrote for a long time and I still write. I'm a little behind on it, but it's still there. So by the time the podcast came, people were, I think were, were eager to, to say, okay, yeah, we'll listen to her now on, uh, on the audio. So I wanted to go back to that concept of anger, you know, mm. because um, there are people who are afraid of their anger they don't want to feel it. They want to push it down and they don't have any idea that it can be fuel. They've never heard that concept before. Um, how do you think a person who's been afraid of their anger, been running from their anger, been stuffing their anger and trying to pretend it doesn't exist, mm. calling everything but anger, um, how does that person move from that denial to- Mm. trying to use that anger more constructively like you did like yeah. fuel. I think that comes with actually getting more mature uh, because it just does. I mean, we can't walk around if we want to punch everybody in the throat, <laughs> but if you can, it's anger is just energy. Love is energy. Uh, being unsure is energy. Everything is energy. Everything is energy. And we're like balls of energy. And so maybe one of the reasons somebody's angry is I tell people, take a look, take a look who you're around, you know? And I mean, I, I share it with you. I don't watch TV. Um, I watch Netflix. Like last night, my family watched a movie on Netflix and I'm, I'm, I'm watching it, but I'm not watching it because I'm doing something else, but I'm watching it. I'm just not one to sit down anymore and watch TV. A long time ago I did. So I've eliminated that. That can be negative energy, believe it or not, watching the news over and over and over. So you almost have to just detach and realize that energy that, you know, number one, what are you angry about? Mm. Nah, I mean, what are you angry about? We all have a list. We have a long list of things we're angry about. Well, flip it and go, what are the things I'm thankful for? That will flip the switch, you know, versus being that angry. Now, the anger that I had for my friend telling me, you know, don't do a podcast because you have nothing to sell. That was baby angry. You know, that was like a, hmm, whoa, 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 what can I do about it? You know, and I get it. I didn't have anything to sell. Really. I had a blog, uh, you know, uh, so now I have these free downloadables you can get. I have the books, you know, I'm working on a course. Of course, I have artwork. I have the journals coming out. 
Um, but yeah, take that anger and turn it into something positive. Go running, go walking, go lift weights, go do yoga, get physical. You're not, you're, you know, it's, it's just this bottled up energy. And once you release it, it affects all other areas of your life. And you'll start seeing good things happen. You'll start seeing that motion. I like that idea. I like that idea of every emotion is just energy. It is. It's all energy. It's, it's your job as the conductor of your life, as the manager of your life to say, mm -hmm. oh, here's this energy. Let me do something with it. Let me, you know, put it to use. Let me direct it yeah. um, rather than getting stuck in it, rather than it, it just being wasted, you know, energy. Um, so I, I like that idea a lot. And some of the, some of the hardest things that I've like, you know, I can tell my husband, you know, I, I need to do this or I need to do that. I need to do this. And right away, he's like, well, chop, chop, get to it. What are you waiting for? And you know what? And I have that teammate. I have that person telling me this is a chop, chop. And it, it's almost annoying, but it's a good, and it's like, you're right. He's absolutely right. Get to, when are you going to get to that versus, you know, complaining about it. Um, and one of the things that he says that, that helps me when I, I, will complain about something because I'm human. His response is, well, that sounds like a problem, doesn't it? How are you going to solve it? Ooh, you know, and that's what I needed to hear for me. That does no longer hurt my feelings. Now, if somebody would get offended because I would say that, well, that sounds like a problem, Carol, you know, what are you going to do about it? Some people will get offended by that because you know what? They want to hear the easy way, the baby way. Oh, it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. No, it's not. Get your shit together and make it happen. And that's when you look around, you're like, why are there's people in the worst of times making something amazing happen versus yeah, shiveling up and, and just, you know, because I mean, I've been on both sides of the fence, you know. So 20, 2021 was actually, 2020 was actually a really good year for me, despite COVID. It's, it still was. Did I make as much money as I did the year before? No. But my attitude was great. I kept on producing. I kept on going to my studio. I kept on working, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, my money as an artist was cut in half, uh, mm -hmm. 20, but as an artist previously prior to 2020, the only thing that I had to sell was my live shows and my merchandise, which I'm actually wearing one of my shirts, um, that I created during COVID. Mm, there you go. Um, I only had four designs before COVID happened. And now I have 18. Wow. All right. And I went on Teespring because now I was just selling shirts and totes before COVID. And on Teespring, you can put your designs on mugs, on phone cases, on stickers, leggings, blankets, pillows, you know, just all kind of stuff. Um, so that opened up a whole new realm for me that I had not explored. I had not explored e-commerce at all. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, yeah, that opened that up. And then the podcast came. And then I decided to create a, a personal development package, which is something I have published. Um, and so I've actually, I've actually sold more of those. I started, I created it my two week break in December. And I had been journaling, like I told you, I started the journal before I even started the podcast, all the ideas that I had in my head. So I had been journaling for months, you know what I'm saying? Took all of that, compiled it into a 20 page workbook, you know, with journal prompts, places for affirmations and goals and pictures, you know, like a beyond the vision board kind of thing. And then actually produced a package, you know, self-published it. <laughs> And I wasn't worried about self-publishing that because it was small. It was workbook form. I was like, okay, I can, I can handle this. I can go. I know exactly what to do with this, you know? Um, so did that. So it was like a whole new, so now I'm stepping into, I never had done workshops before. I mean, I've mm -hmm. been for years and I've done staff development, but I had never done stuff outside of education. Right. Um, so COVID opened up a whole bunch of different things that I would it is a, it's a, it was a good opportunity um, yeah. again for, for the right people. Again, I barely even watched the news about it. So don't get me started about what's happening around the country, but I just like, I just do my thing, you know, uh, and, and, and keep, 
keep on working. That's, you know, all we can do is, is to continue to develop new products, um, workshops. I love workshops. I'm going to be opening up, opening up my studio again to workshops. We did a lot of those prior to COVID. Um, now we're in the building that I'm in. We're definitely able to bring people into the studio now to hold those workshops. So, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I did a, my first workshop and I didn't go live. I didn't go live with that one because it was my very first time doing it. And uh, so I had like eight people that came physically in person, which I was happy. I was like, yay. Okay. Second one, I did go live. We did broadcast it. And the last time I looked, it's still going. It's still going. People are still watching it. It was like at 187 views. Oh, cool. And, yeah, so that's a lot of growth from eight people to, you know, the people that came physically and the people that have viewed it since then. So I'm all about growth. You know, I'm all about learning and growing and changing and, and taking, bringing the stuff from here into the real world, you know, through. Oh, good. That's the way we should do. That's what we should be doing. We should be uh, giving back to humanity, I think. So you told us about that startup book. And you told us kind of where that came from, that all three of them came from you wanting to have something to produce to kind of prove that guy we're on. No, actually, that's not where they came from. They came okay. from being on this planet over 50 years and being that's through true. life and deciding how can I package my stories. And I've always written. I've been journaling for 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. So um, never stopped. Uh my dad was in the air force and in the army and I've been to 34 of the 50 States and I've lived as an adult. I've lived in, you know, the East coast. I've lived in LA. I've lived in uh, Washington DC. So I've lived on both sides and now I'm here in Houston, but it, it didn't come from like, let me prove to him. It came like, okay, maybe he's right. Let me prove to him, but let me prove to myself. So I wanted to put a quality product out there. And so those books are doing well and they're relatively new, you know, so now that they're, um, we're, I'm recording them now in audible. So they're going to be in audible. Um, middle finger happiness is being edited right now. We recorded that, uh, six weeks ago, uh, in the recording studio. And then the little book of startup inspiration. Um, I was in my second studio session just this past Friday. And then, uh, the other, the third book middle uh, what is it? Uh, it's a new day. Don't be a shithead. It's going to be, um, done by this May. So that's, seven projects for this year wow. for 2021. So I've already knocked out four. I've got three more and another, another book coming out. That's amazing. So, so tell us a little bit about middle finger happiness. Like what <laughs> the premise of that? Cause it, it, to me, okay. I, we already said that I haven't read it. I've just read your blurb. I've read your bio and we had that personal conversation when I came to your studio. Right. And um, I saw the cover, I saw the books. The books are very, what do you think, you think about it? When you see that, I just want to know what I, you love it. I love it. You know, um, it's, it's what, what did you love about it? I'm like, okay, it's on my list. Of <laughs> read. You know, it's, 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 all, it's one of those, I have like a, I have a book list. Okay. And right now I'm reading, um, I'm reading how you were born rich is what I'm reading right now. Mm. Uh, so I have, uh, I have like five or six books left on my list from last year that I didn't get to. Right. And so like I saw your book, I'm like, okay, that's a book that I'm going to buy and I'm going to read that. They're very um, short reads uh, because of my attention span. And, and I, there's a lot of oxygen on the page. Um, I read, I mean, I read, I write like I talk. So it sounds like you and I are, when you're reading it, everybody's like, oh my God, it just sounds like you. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the only way I know how to write. Uh, and then of course be putting it in audible, but middle finger happiness, work hard, live well, don't fuck with me. That's the title of the book. And I want to make something very clear. I am not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Nobody is for everyone. When you're for everyone, you're for nobody. You got your audience, you got your tribe. So my mission is to empower people who have been made to feel like failures in their attempts to find themselves mm -hmm. and insecurity is a liar. Yep. There's F bombs in there. It's just like me and my granny having a cold beer in the back porch on a set on a summer night talking about real life. And we're going to have this, these talks that nobody wants to say things. And that stuck with me growing up. So, um, I just had an effort moment. I had that fork in the road. I've got to not have this relationship with my narcissistic mother anymore. And they probably are watching this video. I don't give a shit. You, you get to this point where you're like, I'm done. 
I only have so many years on this planet. I know what I know. And I'm going to share my story. Hopefully it inspires somebody else because life's too short. And so it's a, um, it's not a self-help book. It's a good struggle book. It's how to do things from how to stop struggling. And so again, they're, they're funny short chapters. A couple of them aren't, but it's that part of me that I had to put out there. And it's like, okay, once you get that out there. So it is definitely a book of, I guess, of inspiration again with that edgy raw rawness that i am it's just i just don't have time i don't have a lot of time and so i need to make my message short impactful and how do you do it have you noticed a lot of these other public speakers they drop f-bombs now they used to not do that but it's almost becoming like to get this hair it's almost like becoming acceptable as grown-ups now i would never talk that way in front of children but as far as like you want to make that message, so it's just that that effort moment in the fork in the road where you know you need to make some changes. When you want to make changes and you do make the changes, two things happen. Ready? Number one, you're going to piss off people. Hmm. Get in line. Get your ticket. I don't care anymore. Number two, you can improve your life. Hmm. And that's it. If we walk around constantly worrying what other people are going to think about us. Now, if you're doing bad things, you're, doing, you're, you're not a good person, of course, that's different. But if you're doing everything in your power to eat better, sleep better, exercise, watch the circle of friends, you no longer want to be included in that group of people anymore because you know they're no, they're no good. Maybe they're family. I mean, I grew up with cousins that were doing drugs. I knew that wasn't the right way. A lot of them are gone. They're dead. They OD'd. Uh -huh. So I always tell people it's it's the influence that I didn't have that was my influence. Um, so that was what middle finger happiness is based on. It's just that, you know what? Work hard. Live well. Don't fuck with me. I've got things to do. I want to improve my life. And while I'm doing that, some of that magic falls and sprinkles on the ground and it helps another person. That's what that book's about. I like that. I like that. You know, while you. I'm doing that, my cup is overflowing and it's it's spreading. <laughs> yeah. So I um, for me, right, and I see some of what you're saying, right. Again, there is some parallels because I will tell anybody that I poured myself into my marriage, both my marriages, um, for the majority of my life. I went the traditional route. I got married. I had kids. You know, went to college. Did all that and tried to be the best wife and mother that I could be and put everything that I wanted on the back burner. I'm not gonna think about that, I'm not gonna worry about that. My job is to be a wife and mother, be a teacher. That's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So when I got divorced, you know, I kind of had a talk with my kids, <laughs> with my family. And I said, um, I've done things the traditional way. I've done, everybody said, get married, go to church, you know, do this stuff. And you'll be happy. You'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I had, you know, two marriages, one. But happiness, happiness is our behaviors. Well, ha and happiness is also to me, I can only speak for myself. Happiness to me is that sense of you're filling your purpose and your purpose is not just for other people. It's also the gifts and talents that you were given. Yes. You have to bring out. Right. And the one thing that I hadn't done was really focus on developing my gifts and my talents. You know, I mm. had some talents that I was using. Like you're doing, you're doing that now. I am. Yeah. Okay. So, I, had, yeah. I had those so. talents like to teach. Right. I had right. a talent to do that, but when teaching kind of went south, you know, because there's, it's so focused on testing now. Oh, that, I know. That, yeah. that game, you know, a downer. And so when I got divorced, I was like, okay, I've done everything I was told to do. Didn't work for me. The rest of my life is going to be about my gifts, my talents, my dreams that I had as a child. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an artist. Do it. Do it. I am. Yeah. So, so then I had to, as you said, and you said it before, I had to give myself permission. Mm -hmm. And you I have to, say, I have the right and I'm worthy of all that, every dream, every right. goal, everything, 
that I can accomplish. And I need, if I fail, I fail. If I, and, you know, if I here's, make mistakes, I make here's, mistakes. Here's the, the thing that I see because I have uh, acquaintances. They're not friends. They're just people that I know online. And they are like, oh, I'm an empty nester. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, what the hell you been doing with yourself all these years? It's all been, been about the kids. It's all been about the husband. Now, granted, I'm married on my third marriage. I'm with this guy 20 years. I think I got, I know what the hell I'm doing this time. Kids, I've got a grown one, 30 years old. He's an amazing young man or man. And then I've got the little one who's 13. So I am first. Is it selfish? No. As a matter of fact, my husband is the first one to tell me, hey, go walk, go run, go do your thing. Because if I'm fulfilled, I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. The household is smoother. You know, and women do that. And, and, and we're guilty. We put everybody first and we gain weight and we don't like the way we look or we don't like this. And we don't like that. But wait a minute. What's wrong with putting yourself first? It is how I see it. For example, check this out, right? I've got a glass. I've been drinking lemonade. How much is in here? I can't share that much lemonade with you, girl, because it's almost gone. But <laughs> if I had filled it up with lemonade, I can share it with you. I can right. give of my energy. And so we have to look at that. And I don't know where this, this selfishness came from. I don't know if it's the old generation, you know, the silent generation. Um, my mother-in-law is from that generation. She's a sweet lady. I love her to pieces, but they didn't speak up in those days. Now you got, look at me and you, we're on a podcast and we're like, we're talking, we're, we're letting it all out. Right. But we have to remember it's, you know, whether it's a, a male or female thing, I don't know because there's men that do that too. They put their families first and they don't take care of themselves. So we are uh, the poster child for, for our children. In other words, if I am not making my bed in the morning, how do I expect my kid to make his bed? If I'm not reading a book, how do I expect my kids to read books? If I'm not doing that. So when I don't take care of myself, how am I teaching my, my child? Now, is it selfish to do that to a certain point? Yeah. I mean, if I'm all, you know, always me, 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 and I don't do the other things for my family, then there's a problem. But when you, like you said, you, your gifts, your talents, and you focus on them because one day my kid is going to grow up and move out of the house and have his own life. And yep. then I'm going to be stuck with what? And I think that's happened to a lot of women, a lot of moms, you know, they put themselves second. And so, uh, like I said, the friend of mine who's an empty nester now, she doesn't know what to do. She really does not know what to do. Her house is clean. Everything's organized. Her garden. But she's so unfulfilled as a human. And that made me feel sad for her. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, you know I've seen a person like your friend, but I've seen it be even worse in terms of they don't want to let their kids go. They don't. Oh, yeah. That's another out. one. Oh yeah. So their, their kids trying to get married, trying to have a relationship and they're constantly pulling them back. They're constantly pulling them away from those other attachments yeah, yeah. because they're afraid they're going to be left out and left behind. And so they um, are sabotaging any future outside of this. They need my book, middle finger happiness, girl. <laughs> Work hard, live well, don't fuck with me. I got, I, this is my right, life. Right. Even like That's my oldest, exactly. you know what? They have to make their mistakes. Yes. You have to let them make their mistakes. How did we learn by mistakes? Do we listen to everybody? No. <laughs> but now, I mean, I do listen to people. Like I said, that trip to Disneyland, you know, if I, if you've been to Disneyland, you can tell me how to get to Disneyland, that analogy. But right. yeah, you can't, you can't, if our purpose, if you're going to have kids is to teach them confidence, to make good decisions and to be self-aware, to be have gratitude, to be humble, also not to be doormats and let other people wipe their muddy boots on you. So yes. that's all those things you teach, but you have to be those things. And most of us didn't have that upbringing. I know I didn't. I was not taught those things. Right. That's why I have a really super confident 13-year-old and I have a super confident 30-year-old because I thought I'm going to do things differently. Because I wasn't raised that way. I was, you know, you do the, this, do that. So, yeah, you're right. People, they are too involved in their kids' lives. I mean, you got to let them go. You got to let them figure it out. 
Well, you know, we have kind of come to the end and I wanted you to tell people how to find you, but I wanted to kind of recap. We've talked about so many things. <laughs> we did, didn't you we? Know, we've talked about having the permission, giving yourself yeah. permission to mm -hmm. turn your dreams into goals and to not let other people get in the way and to not feel like you can't put yourself first, to really feel like you have right. the ability, the right to live the life that, of your dreams, to live the life that you want and to keep moving forward even when you're making mistakes and not ask oh, yeah. people for their opinions about it. Because like you said, when you change, you're going to piss some people off, but your life is going to improve. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, well. girl, you wrapped it all up. <laughs> you said very well. Yeah. So I wanted you to tell people again, how they can find you and mm. um, the titles of your books. Cause you know, we're going to sign off in just a few minutes. Okay. Well, everything is under my name. So at Sharon Lee Zapata, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I finally have a TikTok. It's all just artwork. Uh, uh, and then as I say Facebook, I have an author page. It's Sharon Lee Zapata. And uh, go to Amazon and just type in my name and my books will pop in there. Awesome. So, so oh, and the podcast, Middle Finger Happiness. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So I wanted to thank her for coming out and talking to us about all these different topics. We covered a variety of different things um, about success and fulfillment and just personal choice and really taking control of your life. Right. And thank you guys for joining us and may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. My name is Zena Shea, and I have a weekly podcast called Zenergy, which is fuel for the mind, body, and soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this workbook, you're going to have 16 different principles. The first one, I'm going to show you mine, is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you want to create, goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there's 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling, and you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So Zenergize Your Life with me. Thank you.